You're listening to the ProcureTech Podcast, your weekly show for all that's cooking in the digital procurement space. Yes, we've got the hottest startups, thought leadership and conversation from visionary industry experts and definitely no stiff corporate content. I'm your host, James Meads, procurement pro, digital nomad and ProcureTech fanboy. And now here's this week's show. Yes, welcome to another episode of the ProcureTech Podcast, where every week we bring you what is interesting, fun, exciting, and innovative in the digital procurement space, and definitely nothing that is dull and boring and will want to make you yawn and go to sleep. This week, we're tackling the issue of understanding what you buy and predicting what you might buy in future because spend analytics ladies and gentlemen has come a long way since the first platforms came onto the scene 15 or so years ago and it's developed into an incredibly competitive market with a whole range of different solutions out there be they either part of the big suites or best of breed solutions so i'm going to be talking on the show today to one of the original players in this market to understand a little bit about how the market and the situation and the requirements of their clients has developed over the years how they make themselves stand out from the crowd in an increasingly crowded marketplace and what they see as their unique selling proposition going into the future so without any further ado, I would like to introduce this week's guest, who is Samali Samalkorpi from Sievo. Welcome to the show. Thanks, James. Pleasure to be here. And I hope I've not butchered your name. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually going to have a competition at the Proctopus Christmas party to have native English speakers trying to pronounce Finnish when they've had a few beers. So I think that will be a, that will be a, good, uh, a good challenge. That, 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 that is quite a challenge. And apologies, I do have a very couple of long Finnish names so I think I think this makes a good quiz question as well <laughs> <laughs> so I mean Sievo is one of the oldest and best established best of breed procurement tech companies I mean you were founded in 2003 and you've managed to successfully maintain relevance and grow throughout the years despite as I mentioned in the intro an onslaught of competition there is a growing innovative breed of software solutions out there to cater for a whole different range of spend analytics needs now you know when i look at like things like for smes or for consultancies or maybe aimed at private equity data cleaning process mining so you know tell us a little bit about how you started out maybe and then how you continue to resonate and differentiate yourselves against this backdrop yeah thanks james and, and happy to do that sort of if I if I really rewind, uh, not not only 18 years that we have been in business, but even even further down. So actually, I was born, as it happens, in in northern Finland in Lapland, and my parents had a very specific sort of idea what their son should become when when I grow up, and they wanted me to become a reindeer farmer. So actually, my first name <laughs> is the, it's a traditional reindeer farmer name in Finland, but I I was not equally convinced about that prospect as my parents. So I. I actually ended up doing a lot of stuff with computers, not only playing, but doing my own games and stuff when I was young. Then my university studies were a bit more around, let's say, business strategy and so forth. I actually ended up in consulting, ended up doing a lot of procurement consulting projects, 
as a journey analyst, a lot of data crunching and so forth. But that's actually how, how Siva was established back in 2003, sort of on, on back of our, let's say, procurement consulting expert expertise, doing spend analysis as one of ex, uh, sort of ex experience for our customers, but then also having a bit of, let's say, software background. And then we kind of figured out that they, they must be, let's say, more scalable software-driven way to do procurement analytics than, than consultants doing number crunching on Excel. And that's basically how CFO was established back in 2003. So since the beginning, we've been focusing on spend analytics, procurement analytics uh, as such. It actually did hurt me a bit when you said that we are old company, because in my mind and head, we are still, still this uh, growth company with the entrepreneurial spirit and, and a lot of growth. But uh, I, I guess I, I need to admit that in terms of, let's say, players in analysis space, we are one of the, the older ones and, and, and uh, more well-established ones. So in that sense, I, I do accept this, that part of the, of the judgment. You're absolutely correct. There's a lot of, let's say, competition and startups, I would say, procurement software space overall. Uh, we've been in the business almost two decades, and I've never seen such let's say a lot of innovation, a lot of VC money uh, thrown at the businesses. So there's more interesting approaches also to spend analytics than, than ever before. So your question, how we maintain our capability to stay relevant, I think that's that's really good question. There's been a lot of, let's say, great companies in, in software space that have a, had a great days, but then, then kind of gone into obscurity. The tech is changing quickly, machine learning AI is coming up and so forth. So we really need to be on our toes to kind of stay relevant. Then at the same time, I feel that that right now we are more relevant than ever before. New technologies, kind of more data available and so forth. But, but to really answer your question, why, why we stay relevant, I think there's three main drivers in my head. Sort of, first of all, it's to satisfy the global user base. We've never had VC money, so we are self-financed, so we've grown to where we are right now, 220 employees uh, in Chicago and Helsinki. We've done all of this growth self-finance, which also wow. means that we've never had we've never had these, let's say, deep marketing coffers to, let's say, buy visibility or buy audience and, and, and so forth, buy customers. It's always been getting new clients, making them happy, getting more clients and so forth. So through that process, we have a kind of satisfied global user base right now. And our main growth driver always has been customers who change companies and bring CFO to the next company. And I believe that is more relevant than ever before because we have, let's say, larger client base. I think the second point that, that sort of gives us a benefit against, have some, uh, against some of the startups is that not only we have the user base, but we have the data assets. We have lots of data from our customers. And, and with, with most of them, we have rights to use this data for driving, let's say, cross-client insights and innovation. So then the data asset is, is one thing we also have. And then it's also the pure scale. We just can invest more in software development, in marketing and sales than, than most of our competition. So I think that, that hopefully is visible for our clients as innovation as well. And that's great. I'll pick up on the big data piece because mm -hmm. I think that is something that really differentiates given how long you've been in business for compared to some of your younger competitors. Mm -hmm that really sets you apart, doesn't it? If you're able to use that data in a smart way to be able to add to the customer experience or to to add further value rather than just using it for internal marketing um, and, and sort of sales acquisition mm -hmm. strategy, that 
really does set you apart in terms of giving you one step ahead of the competition due to the amount of time that you've been in business and how much data you've collected during that period? Um, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, I think that, that that is the case. And I think it happens through multiple different sort of uh, avenues. There's kind of the, the, the best practice learning across clients. So if with certain client, we come up with some great analytics, then we can, let's say, deploy that to our software and bring to rest of the clients. And that's sort of the traditional software scale play where innovation is developed once deployed many times. And of course that happens, but then indeed there's kind of this data-driven scalability, which is like, okay, if you do spend classification, if you do normalization of suppliers, we can figure once that that DHL belongs to Deutsche Post and then apply that across our client base. But also let's say use the cross-client data for different kind of insight generation, benchmarking activities and so forth. So, so software brings scale, but the data brings another set of scale benefits. So just a quick interlude, because there are a couple of things that I really want to make you aware of, because I think they will be valuable for you. So number one, we now have a monthly newsletter where we bring you curated content of everything that's happening in the digital procurement space. If you want to get that, just head to procuretechpodcast.com forward slash newsletter, enter your name and email, and we'll get that delivered straight to your inbox. Number two, if you're a head of procurement or a center of excellence leader, and you're perhaps a little bit confused or overwhelmed with what's out there as best of breed digital procurement technology, especially if you're a mid-sized business, schedule a call with me. There's a link at the bottom of the show notes in this episode. Just hit that schedule a call link and we can have a quick chat to understand your challenges and what potential solutions out there may be suitable for your organization. And now let's get right back to this week's show. Because you've been in business such a long time, a lot of procurement heads of procurement or procurement directors that move companies then go out and buy Sievo at their at their new employer. But if we're talking about fresh acquisitions, are you seeing most of your clients migrating away from some of the all-in-one enterprise level suites or, or do you generally try uh, tend to find that a lot of them are still quite immature with their digitalization journey and, and come to you guys as the first step because knowing what you buy is is the most basic step but then cleaning your data is the is the most basic step in any digitization journey yeah it, it's a great question i think sort of if i think of our new clients all of them or most of them almost all of them have had some sort of approach to spend analytics. For some, it's a suite that they sort of bought into the screen that you buy one software and it solves all of your problems, but they come to realize that that spend analysis is not really working on that suite solution. So that's going to be one direction. But also there's still a lot of clients who have tried to solve the, let's say, spend analytics with these generic uh, BI tools, with Tableaus, with Click with Power BI and so forth, but they've come to realize that they don't really get to the level that they would like to. So in terms of our new potential clients, they're both coming from full suite point of view, but also from this do-it-yourself reporting point of view. That That's interesting, actually. You said that when they buy these big suites, they don't really get what they want from them from a spend analytics perspective. Talk to me a little bit more about that because that's I'd, I'd be curious to understand why that's the case. Is it just that they don't, go into the right uh, in, into the right level of detail in terms of 
the different levels of the taxonomies or is it just that it doesn't have a, a robust enough data cleaning and harmonization capacity? Most of the latter. I think in the big picture, sort of, I guess still like five years ago, the accepted truth in procurement software world, if you listen to Gardner or Forrester or, or anybody, was that, okay, it will consolidate and the, the suites will sort of swallow to the marketplace. But I think there, the generic view has drastically changed over the last couple of years. And I believe it's mostly because we have so much cloud-based software innovation that if you really want as a procurement organization to kind of a create a competitive advantage. For selected use cases, you need to go beyond the suites and take, take certain software and, and, and data providers that, that really solve certain challenges. So the accepted wisdom now is that you need to kind of have, yes, your transactional ERPs, probably you want to have a suite for some process elements, but on top of that, you need to have, let's say, multiple other software and data providers. And with that thinking comes the fact that your data assets will be in multiple different places in any ways. This dream that one day my SAP Ariba solves everything is, is just a dream. It's not a reality. And with current rate of innovation, it's, 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 it's the goal that's further and further away. And if you accept as a procurement organization that your data assets will be in multiple different places, quite naturally, you need to have some sort of analytical layer that brings that data together and, and creates novel insights by combining existing data sets. And for that purpose, I would argue the suites are not really well positioned. Because for the suites, the, the, the inherent logic always has been, let's put all the processes to my suite, and then on top of that data, I will create the analytics. But of course, if your data assets are in multiple different places, that's not going to work. So I would argue the suites are not well positioned to solve, the, let's say, data combination cleansing uh, challenge that, that large organizations have. So in summary, then, they do a good job in terms of tra transactional P2P automization and streamlining, but in terms of data cleaning and spend analytics, there, there, there is still a significant gap between what they do and best in class. Yeah, that, I, would, I agree. They, they really play a transactional play. They play also process play in strategic sourcing process and stuff like that, but they are not designed for the data play, which comes with the cleansing, cleansing challenges that you mentioned, which comes with combining external data sets which comes also with building an analytical UI. It's quite different to build a UI which tries to streamline processes and, and serve the operational processes versus providing an analytics UI that uh, helps users to find insights. So how do you then leverage the data and the key learnings that you have from your established, uh, from your established client base to be able to drive this value then to new clients? Because you've obviously got this advantage of, of of having a lot of prior data and, and, and a large client base. Absolutely. And very simple example, then I'll elaborate on, on some of the more perhaps interesting, exciting ones. But as you mentioned, sort of one of the key challenges, or perhaps two of the key challenges in, in spend analytics is about spend classification. I've got transactions in 10 different systems in five different languages, some with good master data, some with bad master data. And the basic core problem that spend analytics is solving is, is being able to create visibility to that, okay, this is how much I purchase hotel purchases, this is how much I spend on electricity, this is how much I, I spend on plastic packaging and so forth. Of course, some of those data sets are very client-specific or at least industry-specific. But then again, a lot of that, especially on the indirect side, is really kind of cross-industry data. If you, if you figured out once that Hilton is a hotel, the same finding probably applies across all of the customers. And likewise, the same for supplier normalization. 
from from analytics point of view, you want to see IBM as one IBM, even though you may have coded it in hundred different ways in the underlying ERPs. And again, if you figure out once that IBM and international business machines is the same stuff, then you can apply that learning uh, for the rest of the clients. So for the cleansing challenges, the kind of big data is one of the key accelerators that sort of makes that process more effective for, for new clients. And of course, the more clients you have, the more effective it gets. Also related to that, it's, it's not only big data play, because there's three components you need to have correct. You need to have the big data that we mentioned. You need to apply, for example, machine learning. But you also need to kind of uh, catch the feedback from the user. So regardless of how well we as CEO do our job, there will be always be mistakes. But then we also need to enable end users to provide feedback to this system of, of software and data so that if we've, if we've done a mistake, we get information of that back from the users and then we can kind of keep on improving. And therefore you can kind of create a model where the data quality improves over time and across the clients as we go. And, and yeah. Yeah, and no, I, I was just going to say that. So that leads me on then to to the next thing that I was going to ask you because on your on your website you talk a lot about predictive analytics, mm -hmm. um, and being able to understand what you may buy in the future. I think is a key differentiator. So, what do you see as the uh, as the advantage and the development of that technology going into the future? The, the predictivity is definitely one of the graph. We need to get from descriptive to predictive and pres prescriptive analytics. But actually, sort of, <laughs> it's contrary to what our web pages say. I start to believe that the prediction is very hard because the world is getting more complex and volatile. And we've seen that with COVID, we've seen that with the, 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 the cases in Suez Canal and so forth. It's very hard to predict what will be happening in the future. So, actually, what I believe will be the key differentiating capability is the is the capability to quickly react to these unpredictable events. I would say that it's, it's not possible for procurement function to foresee all of these events, but what the procurement function can create is the capability to cap that information quickly, figure out the implications of, a, of an emerging event, and then create the activities required very quickly. So if there's an whatever, volcano erupting in this location, then you need to figure out which of your suppliers are impacted by that. You need to understand which of your materials or components or services you are purchasing are impacted. Then you need to be able to figure out sort of uh, what alternative suppliers in your existing supply base or outside that. And then you need to be able to, to launch the POs or, or kind of onboard new suppliers quickly. And, and, and everybody can go through this chain of, of, of thinking but the real differentiator is who can do it fastest. Because when the, when the kind of a new event emerges, the companies who can go through this thought process in, 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 in minutes or hours instead of days or weeks will be best positioned to take the actions before the competition can take the actions. So instead of trying to predict into the future, I would argue the key capability is this quick data processing capabilities. And that's, of course, where data capturing, data processing, analysis, uh, uh, creating insights for the users, and even automating some of the actions really becomes crucial. So it's really then if you've got perhaps a, a best-of-breed risk management tool that you're running on uh, alongside CIEVO, then what CIEVO allows you to do is to do a very quick if-this-then-that analysis with, with the data that you have in the system 
to, to, to enable a procurement function to react to anything that's happening geopolitically? Absolutely, because the, the challenge nowadays is not so much data access. There's great providers of, let's say, supplier risk data. There's great providers of commodity pricing. There's great providers of uh, supplier sustainability information. There's great providers of carbon data and so forth. So there's lots of lots of data available out there. But the challenge for the organization is, is, is not sort of accessing that data, it's, it's combining that data with internal data sets. If there's been forever the challenge, okay, how do I make sense of my internal data, which anyways is, is in your control. All of this external data is something that you have no control on how the vendors are called and, and how the commodities are clustered and so forth. So what you need to develop is the capability to capture that external data like supply risk event, combine that with your internal data to exactly do what you described, if this, then that sort of kind of logic. Because that's where the valuable insights are. Knowing that the supplier has a risk is, is not really super valuable. Being able to translate that, for example, which of my end products are now facing a supply risk is, is something that's super valuable for the organizations. Got it. And that's always what you're going to need the human to do, right? Because AI, AI can do all of this analysis for you, but then it's it's how you interpret that to get to the end result or to take action on what it's telling you. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's really this collaborative approach. I don't I don't really buy into this sort of hype that, okay, anytime soon AI or machine learning replies to humans. I think it will help humans to make more smart decisions in a quicker fashion. So I wanted to spend the last few minutes, Somali, to talk about the general trend that we're seeing out there, that procurement is starting to be seen now less as a pure play cost savings function and more as a general value driver for the business and more of a business partner. And some of the content that you guys have put out there kind of alludes to that as well around building relationships with finance and building relationships with with functions like IT on on, on data. So let's 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 talk first of all about cost avoidance. How how does this fit in in terms of the relationship with finance? Yeah, I guess the basic reasons of existence for procurement functions originally and still today to a large extent has been and is and a probably will be that okay procurement needs to contribute to let's say profitability of the company and cost reductions and cost avoidance are, are ways of doing that. What I find is that even though I'm coming from let's say analytics company, this may sound odd and surprising, but I don't believe that everything that's important can be measured. And I also believe that everything that can be measured is not important. And I think this also applies for the for the cost reduction and cost avoidance. Cost reduction is something that can be easily sort of proven and it's understandable and, and it's valuable. And, and uh, the, here procurement and finance really should find each other. When it comes to cost avoidance, I think it'd be helpful and healthy if both parties sort of accept the fact that cost avoidance is and cannot be, as let's say, objectively measured in all cases as, as cost reduction can. The fact that it can't be measured to the same perfection does not mean that it wouldn't be valuable. It, it's, it's a benefit that procurement can create. It's a benefit that should be quantified, but then we also need to kind of accept that there's more uncertainty around, let's say, those numbers and so forth. And for me, really trying to compromise that there's one rule of saving, and that's, that's real savings, it's, it's unhealthy. You should differentiate between cost reduction that you can really measure from cost avoidance that are valuable but have more room for uh, judgment. 
Yeah, I think you're right. It's a lot. A lot can be said about how procurement markets and and uh, uh, and reports cost avoidance and how they differentiate it to be able to maintain the credibility whilst acknowledging that it's still an important function that they do for the business. So so moving on from cost avoidance and the wider sort of value that procurement drives beyond cost savings, let's talk a little bit now, because I know you're developing an er a, a feature on this, and, and there seems to be a trend of best of breed solutions now adding features to try and sort of position themselves as kind of mini suites in some ways you're developing something around sustainability and um and and and, tr- and tracking of environmental initiatives aren't you do you want to tell us a little bit about that yeah thanks and 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 indeed and if you think of the origins of the CEO was were very much around spend and savings but now if i think what really has changed in let's say procurement world in the last three to five years is that the domains like diversity risk sustainability carbon and so forth have moved from, let's say, uh, talk to really kind of actions. I do see a lot of the CPOs I discuss with really kind of investing in these areas and, and really, frankly, taking seriously these topics. And of course, we want to kind of serve our customers in those domains as well. So what we've been releasing lately is a number of, let's say, new solutions that address these, these let's say, wider, uh, wider mandate of procurement effectively. So we've developed something on the supplier diversity and here we are partnering with diversity data providers such as supplier.io we've developed the solutions for risks where we partner for example with risk mentors we've developed the solutions around supplier sustainability partnering for example with ecovaris but now the, the latest news is that we just launched a new solution also which is is focused on the carbon and, and co2 analytics for large companies most of their spend is with suppliers but also most of their let's say CO2 footprint is with suppliers. And of course, if companies want to become carbon neutral, they need to address this huge um, supplier-related scope three upstream, as it's called, scope three upstream emissions. And now as we have information on the spend data, we know what has been purchased, how much, and so forth. Again, we bring, let's say, data providers who can provide data intensity information or carbon intensity information. And by combining spend data with carbon intensity data, we can very quickly for our clients create visibility where the hotspots in their CO2 footprint really are. So that's 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 really developed and excited for the benefit of our customers, but quite frankly, also it enables us as a company to do positive impact on the world. And that's a great example of being able to leverage existing data and relatively simply from an end customer's perspective to be able to give them an idea of their of their carbon footprint and, and areas for for improvement so yeah i think that's um it's a it's both innovative as a feature and also something that is a logical next step i guess working working with the the data sets that you that you already have final question summary if anyone would like to learn more about what you're doing or perhaps download a couple of the ebooks that you have um what's the best way that they can get in touch with you no i think that's a great question and thanks for asking i think sort of a what we also released just recently is, 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 is related to procurement and data, because I think the data is really the great new opportunity for procurement functions. Procurement should not only view themselves as kind of driving cost reductions and value initiatives. Procurement really is also one of the key interfaces between the company and the outside world. There's a sales and marketing on the downstream side, but then there's the procurement that, that's really the key interface between company and the upstream ecosystem suppliers uh, and, and so forth. So I really believe the data is a great opportunity for procurement, 
but I'm not equally convinced that procurement always really understands this to the depth. So therefore, we actually now launch a book, Procurement Allows Data, that sort of explains our view on why procurement should really leverage this, this opportunity, and also provide some practice guidance on how to do that. So I think that would be my, my, my kind of a tip for the day. Procurement loves data. You can download that.co.com. Or procurement certainly should love data, even <laughs> if they don't know now. So I, I will link to that uh, in the show notes. So if anyone wants to go and get a free copy of that, they can do. Uh, Somali, thank you for being a great guest. Keep in touch and good luck for the future. And uh, yeah, all the best. Thanks, James, and good luck with the Finnish, Finnish language at the Procurement you know, event. Thanks. So that was a great insight into how spend analytics and a lot of things in that space are, are changing and evolving as we go forward to incorporate different challenges that businesses have. It was great to have Samali on the show as one of the most established players in this space, who I guess most people that know a little bit about digital procurement have probably come across at some point. If you don't already, then head over and follow us on LinkedIn at the ProcureTech podcast. It would be great to see you over there. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe to us where you listen to your podcasts so as you get notifications every time we release a new episode, which is, of course, every Wednesday. Thank you very much for listening. We know that you have a very big choice of procurement podcasts out there these days, and I'm very, very grateful that you've chosen to insert us into your earballs on this fine day. Take care. Bye for now and see you next week. Bye.